0: Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text for our consideration tonight is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter, beginning with verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. The first church service that is mentioned in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 4 it's in the same chapter where we have the famous story of Cain killing his brother Abel and at the end of that there's one little line that closes that chapter that says then men began to call upon the name of the Lord wouldn't it have been interesting to be there for that first church service to see what kind of seats they had did they sit on logs Did they have any music by then? Did they sing any songs? What was their worship like? What were their prayers like? How many people were there? There's a lot of things to speculate about. Dr. Martin Luther wrote this, elaborating on it, it, what it might have been like. He said, A small church is formed in which Adam, as high priest, rules everything by the word and sound doctrine. Adam, Seth, Enos, preach to their descendants to wait for their redemption, to believe the promise, of course the great promise of the coming Messiah that was spoken against the devil but in the presence of Adam and Eve. What better and more useful message, Luther says, could Adam and Seth preach than the Savior Christ who was promised? And so this worship is during a time that we often refer to as the era of oral transmission. What that means is that the word of God, just like we are gathered tonight to hear that word of God, the word of God back then was transmitted orally by individuals who would speak and teach this to others, beginning probably with Adam, as we speculate. Now Adam lived 930 years, we are told. Just think of all the generations he could touch. Just think of how many descendants could could come and sit at his feet and listen to the very one who knew what it was like before the fall and how awful the fall of, into sin really was, who had lived through so many challenges and things, and uh, and also the the communications that he had had with God. We certainly just know of the ones recorded for us in Scripture. How many other times did God possibly speak with him? And so Adam could sit and teach people in these services as they gathered to listen. In Genesis chapter 8, just a few chapters later, following the flood, we hear this. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now following the flood, the lifespan of human beings begins to drop off dramatically and finally gets down under about a hundred years like we think of for us today. And it's at that point then when the oral transmission period of passing this on orally to people and just telling the story starts to get written down starts to get recorded through the pen of moses and so on worship is a central activity in the lives of god god's people and certainly of faithful christians today and this concept of congregating to worship god it's not an optional thing it's what christians just naturally want to do just like a living human being wants to eat so it is spiritually for the believer. When God has created true faith in Christ in a person's heart, there is a natural desire to want to eat that word of God and, and to receive it and, and hear it. Paul says that there is an expectedness to this. It's implied in the text in front of us. There's just kind of an unexpected thing that, that Christians will want to gather together for this. And this is why delinquency, in other words, staying away from hearing God's word, staying away from receiving the sacrament, is something that causes pastors great concern for their sheep. When they see that happening, that usually means there's kind of an illness that's starting to take over in that person's heart, possibly even spiritual death. And so it's interesting that all of the biblical metaphors that God gives us Um, about being members of the Church of God always have have this expected togetherness in them. Okay, think about them. Sheep. Sheep are not to be out wandering alone. They're supposed to be in the flock. Bricks or stones that are used in a building and in a wall. They're not to be sitting alone in a pile off to the side. They are built together and um, by the hands of masons put into a beautiful wall. Think about your very body. Your hand is not separated from your wrist. It's all connected, just like we are in the body of Christ. Paul says, you were called in one body. So this expectedness of being connected together is something that's just natural in Christians. If, if it's not there, it's something to be concerned about. At the core of worship for Christians is always recognizing our true fallen condition before God, the sin that infects all of us, the fact that there's a grave waiting out there for everybody in this room, and at the same time, the wonderful hope that God gives us because of that promised Messiah, spoken first to Adam and Eve, and that has come now in time, and that we still gather to worship even here tonight. And so this is always the central core in worship of the Christian faith, is to gather around the places where Christ is put before us. We are really no different Christians than Adam and Eve. We maybe have a different place to worship. We maybe uh, have different music and things that they might have, than they might have used. But really at the core of it all is always God's Christ, the Messiah. And that's the one who gives us hope. And so the purposes of of worship are to be strengthened and fed by this wonderful, hopeful gospel that God gives us. And then this causes, this this creates in us a desire to thank God and and to sing back to him. Dr. C.F.W. Walther wrote this about worship. Only hypocrites believe that they attend church in order to be pious, to, to act good. We attend church, he says, not really to serve God, but rather that he may serve us there. And not to create righteousness, but to receive it from God. So Christians don't go to church in hopes of kind of trying to make God happy with them by, by trying to do something that's going to show that they're good. It's just the opposite. We come, we come with empty hands. and God is the one who brings the righteousness we need to us through his word and sacrament. And he's the one that delivers us that perfect holiness that we need to someday get to heaven. And notice in our text how Paul talks about the importance of music in the life of the church. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making music in your heart to the Lord. It really came through to me the importance of music once. I was attending a funeral service on southern Minnesota. And it was at a church that had the name Lutheran, but really didn't stand for what the Lutheran Church teaches at all. And the pastor didn't even use a Bible passage for his sermon that day. had about a little five-minute funeral sermon. And his sermon basically was this. I'll summarize it for you in a few seconds. Death is a mystery, and it kind of puzzles us. Amen. That was really his whole sermon. That's about how much hope he gave you in the sermon but thank God we sang some good hymns thank God the Bible was read a couple times at least in that church service this is one of the ways that God has preserved the Christian church through the years even when there are false prophets standing up in his pulpits this is how the church often survives is through music and through the readings, and through the liturgy, and through the worship life of the church. God strengthens us through congregational singing. The purpose of music in the church is is not just to enjoy something that's fun, and, and often it is. Often it's a wonderful thing and a tune that stays with us. But notice what Paul says. Listen to exactly how he describes it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, and then teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice, there's to be doctrinal substance to this music. It brings us something. It conveys God's love and his grace. It brings Christ to us and instills it down into the heart. That's the purpose of the singing in the life of the church. And notice that he speaks about that the heart here, the goal of this is that the heart would embrace God's grace. And that's what causes us to sing back to him in such gratitude. Years ago, I arrived at a a new call that I was going to be serving as a pastor. And one of the first weeks that I was there, the secretary took me over to a file cabinet and showed me a, a couple of files that were there. And there were about a dozen or 15 different individual places where uh, people who were now getting elderly in the church had already set up their funeral services and as I looked through them it was interesting that they had already picked out their hymns and they wanted hymns that would be sung that first of all they certainly loved but that would convey to those who are still in this valley of tears to be able to have hope and so on. Take out your hymn book, if you, if you would, as we close tonight. Take out your hymn book and turn to hymn 354, 354, Like the Golden Sun Ascending. A good Scandinavian hymn. And this was sung at my mother's funeral. And every time I hear this hymn and the particular verses we're going to look at, it makes me realize what a blessed mother I had. But more importantly than all of that, Uh, What a tremendous thing music is in bringing us the gospel. Look at verse 5. Verse 5. Let's read it together, speaking to Christ. Thou hast died for my transgression. All my sins on thee were laid. Thou hast won for me salvation. On the cross my debt was paid. From the grave I shall arise and shall meet thee in the skies. Death itself is transitory. I shall lift my head in glory. Amen.